Hello, my name is Adrian Goldberg and welcome to the latest Byline Times podcast. The Byline Times, it's what the papers don't say, what radio doesn't report and what telly doesn't tell you. This time, breadline Britain, as the governor of the Bank of England warns of apocalyptic rises in the price of food, prompted in part by the war in Ukraine. What is the government doing to help the poorest members of society already battered by rising energy prices? We'll be hearing from the charity Action for Children and the Byline Times' very own Sean Norris. Before we do, just a reminder that this podcast is funded by subscriptions to the Byline Times, a brilliant monthly newspaper which reports without fear or favour. You find out more at our equally brilliant website, bylinetimes.com. That's at bylinetimes.com. Now, the Governor of the Bank of England, Andrew Bailey, is warning of apocalyptic food price rises, with inflation in the UK surging towards double digits in the greatest cost-of-living squeeze for three decades. Few of us aren't already feeling the pain, but the poorest members of society, as usual, will be hardest hit. Byline Times Chief European and Social Affairs reporter Sean Norris has been talking to Leanne from the West Country. Leanne is a mum of two who works 37 hours a week as a finance officer. Despite claiming universal credit, she is still occasionally reliant on food vouchers. We are impacted by the cost of living increasing like dramatically um, over the last year or so. So anything that we did fun-wise or any little treats that the kids used to get, they don't get anymore because I can't afford, like, non-essential items as such. And, I mean, how is the cost of living crisis kind of, how are you seeing that day to day? I mean, have you seen an increase in energy bills, in, in the cost of your grocery shopping? Like, where are these pressure points coming in? Well, both, yeah. So my electricity bill has gone up well direct debit has gone up to 279 pound a month so that's 300 pound pretty much it's a lot of money to be paying out just on one utility bill and then we have oil central heating down here and the oil prices are like one pound 24 per litre we go through a thousand litres roughly every eight months. So twice a year we're having to fill up. That's over £2,000 on oil per year. It's all exp- like just inflated so much. And then general shopping, things that were £1 in the supermarket are now £1.25 or more. So it's just really hard to budget and manage everyday life. You're robbing Peter to pay Paul and just getting yourself into a bigger hole as such because you just cannot afford to live. I mean, what do you think of the government response when they're saying, oh, we're doing everything we can, but government can't fix all of the problems? I mean, how does that make you feel when you hear people like Rishi Sunak say that? Well... I appreciate they can't fix everything, but they do have the power to say, no, we're putting a cap on this. Previously, we used to have electricity board and gas board, and it was governed. Why can't we do that again? Why can't they say, we need to put a cap on this? There's no way people can live 
paying these ridiculous prices for energy and fuel, everything that's out there has increased massively. So why can't they put a cap on it? They do have the authority to do that. I mean, to be fair, I think half of them should take a pay cut and put more money back into the bucket and help people out. And one of the things you mentioned is, you know, you can't afford to give treats to your kids anymore. And those sort of like magical moments of childhood mm. like fun activities. I mean, I mean, that, that, I mean, that's so hard as a parent to have to say no to your children. And I mean, how are they kind of coping and how do you see it affecting them? Well, I feel like I'm failing them. I'm failing the children by not being able to provide for them your son's going off to university like and this is like an Mm -hmm. amazing thing like everyone every parent is so proud when their child goes to university and yet also there's that kind of fear that when the autumn comes you'll you know you won't be getting the child benefit anymore and you know it's like kind of this pride and joy for your child's future is also tempered by worries about making ends meet is is that fair to say Absolutely, yeah. And then, like, supporting him going off to university because he's going to need, like, his essentials is a list of must-haves to take to university, which should be exciting going out buying all of these things for him going off to university. But it's not. It's a stress. It's another stress for me to be able to find the money to go out and buy him these things for university and yeah he might get maintenance loans and stuff but that's not going to support him fully you know I should be able to help him let him enjoy the university experience not be a stress for him but it's gonna it is gonna be for both of us you know he's gonna have to worry about finances I'm gonna have to worry about finances my end because I'm gonna take like a reduction in how much I get from the government so it is just more pressure on me again. And I mean, what has the sort of emotional toll been on you having to kind of every month worry about making ends meet, that sort of sense of the money not last, the month lasting longer than the money? You're constantly stressed. The anxiety when it does come to sort of like towards the end of the month, like you say, when money's ran out and you've got, direct debits coming out bills coming out you do suffer I have palpitations regular because of it and emotionally I do feel drained that's Leanne and according to the charity Action for Children her story is sadly not uncommon they have analysed their own crisis fund which helps families in difficulty and found that in recent months 54% of the grants they have issued have been to families like Leanne's who are in receipt of universal credit which was cut by £20 a week last October after being increased during the pandemic. One hard-pressed mum responding to their survey asked who'd have thought that eating would become a luxury. To look at some of the deeper causes of poverty and how we can tackle it, I brought together Sean Norris with Action for Children's Director of Policy and Campaigns, Imran Hussein. Action for Children, we're a children's charity. We haven't really done work on poverty except in the last two years. Our services have said, look, you know, before we can help children with all the services we provide, whether it's mental health or whether it's family support, 
Like we need to, you know, we're seeing children who are going hungry, families going hungry, so we need to support them. So we set up a crisis grant system for the families that we work with. And so what we've done in this report is we've looked at every single one of those crisis applications that our staff are filled in with the families. And we've looked at what the money was needed for and what it was spent on. And what we found was you know, pretty shocking. Uh, uh, we've had, had to help uh, in the last two years about 26,000 children and their families over the winter, about 6,000 children with the basics. And what we're seeing is families are being squeezed by rising living costs and also families who, who just finding that the, the benefits they get, whether they're in work or out of work, are just not enough. So we're seeing families on low incomes being squeezed by both of those things. And we as a children's charity are just really aware that when that happens, the kind of pain, the misery, the damage done by poverty really lands on the children. Yeah, my mum's pretty elderly and grew up in Ireland and talked about the time when she used to sleep six to a bed with coats on top of the bed to keep them warm. But some of the stories that your frontline workers have come across echo stories of my mum's childhood in desperate poverty in Ireland in the 1920s and 30s. We're seeing these kind of horror stories more regularly. Um, campaigners of, uh, on poverty in recent years, what we've been focusing on is that, look, you know, if, your children, if children are on low incomes, then they're being left behind that they're having childhoods that are different from other children. And that's been the focus that, you know, yes, give the children the basics, but also let them participate in ordinary life. And that's been the focus. But now what we are seeing is that things are getting so bad that it, it's the basics that we're, everyone's focusing on. Children, you know, aren't getting food. The family home is cold. Clothing is an issue. And that's even before... What we're seeing right now with inflation up to 7% looking to be double digits later this year. It's been really tough for a while. It's been incredibly tough in recent months. And the, the future next few months looks even tougher. Sean, part of the background to this as well is the cut in the £20 universal credit uplift. People will remember that universal credit was increased to help the poorest people during the pandemic. And in the face of political opposition, the government decided that the uplift would be scrapped. So many people who obviously understandably had got used to living with that extra £20 a week are finding it much tougher now that that £20 a week has been taken away again. Absolutely. So as you say, um, in October, they decided to cut this £20 a week uplift to universal credit, meaning that sort of you know, families, thousands and thousands of families lost about a thousand pounds a year in terms of their income. Now you have to think this happened in October. So this is when you're going into winter. It's when you're going into the coldest time of year. So your energy bills are going to be higher in that time of year. You know, you're coming into Christmas when you're going to have more like outgoings because, you know, you want to give your kids a lovely Christmas. You want to make sure they've got presents. Now we come to like April when inflation was just going up and up and up, when we saw energy prices going up and up and up. And rather than increase universal credit in line with inflation, the government has once again decided to sort of leave those people behind. And so after having this £20 cut in October, people on universal credit are now facing a real terms cut because the amount of their benefits is not been raised to meet the amount of inflation. And so more and more people are struggling to get to the end of the month. You know, they're 
their money is not lasting for the month. And we're having we're seeing people, you know, choosing between eating and heating. I mean, it's a bit warmer now, but it's not been exactly the warmest spring. We're seeing people who um, are skipping meals so that they can feed their children. And I think, you know, again, we're coming up to the summer holidays now. I mean, I know it's a couple of months, but people are kind of planning for for this future. And when children are out of school during the summer holidays, they lose, you know, their kind of free school meals, that hot one hot meal a day. So it puts more and more pressure on parents at that point again. And then come October again, we're likely to see energy prices go up even more. And so there's just this sort of constant squeezing, this constant... Um, you know, lack, this constant cuts and then these rising prices. And it's it's a real scandal. I mean, we are one of the biggest economies in the world. We're constantly hearing from the government how well the economy is bouncing back after COVID. And yet we have millions of people living in, in poverty. We have, I think, 1.8 million children living in the deepest levels of poverty. You know, this is a shame. It's a, it's a shame of our government that they haven't been able to respond to this adequately. You interviewed Leanne and we heard a, a segment of that interview and people can read more of that interview at bylinetimes.com. Just wonder what part of that most moved you or most connected with you? Because ultimately, this is about real people. I mean, I'm sure that my answer will be the same as anyone who hears that interview and who reads the article. The thing that really kind of got me in the gut was when she said that she felt that she was failing her children because she couldn't afford to give them treats. She's very, very stressed about how she's going to manage when her son goes to university, something that a family would be celebrating. You know, it's a wonderful achievement to get to university. And, you know, and, and alongside that celebration is that pressure, that fear that you can't afford to make ends meet. And, you know, again, it's like, you know, Leanne hasn't failed her children. Leanne is doing everything right. She's doing the absolute best for her children. It's the government that is failing children in poverty over and over again. And that's why I come back to this idea that it's, you know, it's shaming. It is shaming on our society that mothers are getting ill because they're so frightened about the end of the month and the bills going out and because they're so distressed at that feeling that they're failing their families. Imran, this isn't just about the government, is it? I mean, there are factors at play, not least global energy prices, that the government correctly says that it can't control. I mean, that's that's right. I mean, inflation, if you look at you know, the underlying analysis about why inflation is rising so rapidly, the answer is very much looking at what's happening uh, internationally. But, and this is the key thing, families uh, who are relying on benefits whether they're out of work benefits or benefits for, for people who are low paid or have disabilities, we spent a decade of those benefits being cut. In real terms, we've had benefit freezes, we've had benefit rises that have been that have been less uh, than inflation, so they're so they are real terms cuts. We've had a decade of that, so it's pretty predictable that if you do that over a sustained period of time, you reach a stage where families relying on benefits are going to struggle to meet basic living needs. So, and then that's that's exactly where we are. Completely predictable. I think that's where, if you're looking at okay, pointing a figure of where we failed, I think that's one, the, the right place to be looking. Inflation is rising for international reasons. But the pain and the way that pain, where that pain is being felt is a consequence of a series 
of government decisions to weaken our protections for the poorest in society, particularly children. Rachel McLean, who is the uh, safeguarding minister, has said that people could protect themselves better from rising costs in the long term by working more hours or getting a better paid job. Well, I mean, look, you know, we, we've got definitely got a long-standing poverty pay issue, but wages don't take account of family size. So a key part of the equation has to be about the benefit system. And that's where the government has failed or is failing our children and, and has got got to do better. People want to progress in work, and there's lots of difficulties in that, including the lack of childcare, there may be geographic issues about where, where they live. And so there's lots of things the government can and should be doing to improve things. But at the end of the day, there'll always be a need for uh, the social security system to step in and help families. And at the moment, that's being underinvested in. We had recently a Conservative MP suggesting that figures around food banks have been exaggerated. It is something that when you hear the testimony we've heard in this podcast, it, it, you know, it's, it is very difficult to pretend that there isn't a problem or suggest that there isn't a real and deep-rooted problem. I mean, as soon as night follows day, you know, a Tory MP or a right-wing commentator will make some comment about how people on benefits should just cook porridge you know, like they should just, you can survive on 30p a day if you just eat porridge, three meals a day. Um, it's, it's completely tone deaf and it's completely ignoring the reality of poverty. Like number one, first and foremost, not everybody wants to eat porridge, three meals a day. Like children should be allowed to have varied diets. They should, you know, we need fruit and veg. We need like a healthy, nutritious diet. And porridge is not the answer for every single kind of poverty question. But also you have to think about all of the combinations of poverty. So you might have people who are in temporary accommodation with their children who don't have access to cooking facilities. You've got rising cost of energy, which means, you know, baking or cooking a sort of stew, which is, a, you know, seems to be equal to porridge in the in the right wing mind about how we tackle poverty. That takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of electricity or gas costs. And, you know, being living in deprivation being in poverty is just expensive in itself. People are more likely to be on prepaid meters, which are more expensive than having a kind of prearranged direct debit. You know, you end up buying the sort of cheaper clothes because they're cheap in the in the first place, but then they don't last as long, so you have to replace them more. There's just a huge amount around the kind of complexities of poverty and deprivation that get missed with these kind of off-the-cuff sound bites about how people should be living their lives. And I'll said it again and again, and I've written so many pieces about this, but no one knows how to budget better than a single mum on universal credit. You know, it's like people aren't stupid. People aren't trying to do a bad job and they're not doing a bad job. They're doing the best they possibly can in extremely difficult circumstances and doing the best for their children, even in a sort of low-wage, low-benefit culture. Chance spot on that, that point about families on low incomes being brilliant and budgeting because they have to be. They've, they've got no other choice. Well, it was the Conservative MP, Imran, Lee Anderson, who said that hungry people going to food banks can't cook properly and can't budget. But, I mean, that's you know, that's not our experience. And I, and I think there are very few people across the political spectrum who really would support that view. And one of the things we, we found with our crisis fund, it wasn't just food uh, that people wanted and needed 
many of them just lacked the utensils, whether it's pots or pans or cutlery or plates, uh, didn't have cookers or needed help with their utility bills. So all these kind of th- paraphernalia that goes with cooking, people coming to us were saying that, a third of them were saying that if, if they hadn't got the help from us, they fear their children wouldn't be getting you know, enough food. So whenever poverty is in the news, someone always says something outlandish, you know, and there is media coverage around it. I, you know, I hope right across the political spectrum, sensible voices are, are kind of thinking, well, actually, you know, that doesn't really reflect the reality of families. Yeah, we've touched on some of the potential solutions, Imran, not least uh, increasing pay for lower paid workers, making transport more accessible and cheaper and raising benefits as well, whether in work or out of work benefits. But as a charity, you've got a a programme, as it were, to, to address this. What are the key points? You know, we recognise that poverty affects families in lots of different ways, and it's caused by you know a variety of different things. So the solution has to be across the board. There's no one silver bullet that deals with poverty. So what we'd say is, firstly, do no harm, and that means like we've got to make sure benefits rise at least with inflation. Otherwise, we're making people poorer. I think we're also. I think we need the longer on a longer run. We need to look at the adequacy of our social security system. Something has to be done to kind of recognise that it's not doing the job it's supposed to be doing. What's needed is like a cross-vital effort on poverty. You know, solving poverty is, is not just down to DWP or the Treasury. If we have more poor children, we'll get more ill children, and that has consequences for the NHS. If we have more poor children, we'll have more children struggling at age five in terms of their school readiness, but also when they leave school and they enter the, the labour market. So solving poverty should be a government priority, a societal priority, because poverty is a moral disgrace and an economic waste, as David Cameron once said. Um, so you need a really sort of concerted cross-government drive at it. When we had that about 20 years ago, that led to real improvements in, in, in child poverty. We saw child poverty fall significantly. We don't have that at the moment. The government doesn't really have a po- poverty strategy and poverty is too high and it's rising and it's going to rise further. That's where we are at the moment and that needs to change. That's Imran Hussein from Action for Children with Sean Norris. And you can read more from Sean at Byline Times, our monthly newspaper. Taking out a subscription to the Byline Times helps fund honest, independent journalism. And it supports this podcast too. you find more details on how to subscribe at bylinetimes.com. That's bylinetimes.com. My name's Adrian Goldberg. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.